Bread comes in many different varieties, but the only bread that nourishes our souls, hearts, and lives is Jesus Christ. Bread of Life is sponsored by the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. You can contact us by calling us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. Join us now for the Bread of Life. Here's Joel Van Hoogen. Saving faith does not allow you to occupy a static station in life. Your belief in a saving God will take you places. There's a progressive movement found for all in the Christian faith. And we're going to begin talking about that today. Where does real faith take you? Now, go to Hebrews chapter 11. This is what we'll consider today. Verses 8 through 10. By faith... Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God." Here's what you need to know about Abram before he was called Abraham. Abraham came from a family of idolaters. Actually, Joshua 24.2 tells us that Abraham's fathers served other gods. He was raised in a region that was called Ur of the Chaldees. It was a land that was between the Euphrates and the Tigris. And if you understand scripture, you understand that it was in this region that the Garden of Eden once existed. It was a fertile place. It was a place that was culturally developed, probably the most culturally developed place in all the earth. We understand that it's the place where humanity rose and where God first took clay and dirt and breathed into life and created the human being. Various extra-biblical traditions that were developed by the rabbinics stated that Abraham's father, Terah, was an idol maker. Others in this tradition say that his father, Terah, was actually a general of the first great conqueror in the world by the name of Nimrod. These are not actually facts. They are conjectures back into history. But here are the facts of Abraham's life. He lived in a fertile region. He was the son of an idolater. And somehow God brought to Abraham a revelation of himself. And with that revelation, Abraham believed in the God of all creation, the maker of heaven and earth. And in that revelation, God called Abraham to leave his home and to leave the place where he had been raised and to leave his family. God singled him out for a new blessing that was going to come upon him and through him to all the earth. And God declared that he had destined him to be the heir of a new land, a new place. And in God's calling, Abraham responded and went out. In fact, our passage says here that When he was called, and actually the tense in the language here says, as he was being called. In other words, there wasn't a hesitation. As God was revealing this to Abraham, and Abraham recognized this special movement of God upon his life, Abraham immediately responded. began to uproot himself from where it was that he was living and from his family and move out. Let's remind ourselves of some things that we've already learned up to this point in time. And the first thing is that faith is, it's a simple thing. It's just confidence. It's assurance in God. It's being so confident and so assured of who God is that you believe what God says to you, what God tells you. And when you come to faith in God, 
you believe what he says. You don't really have faith in God if you believe only some of the things he says. You don't have faith in God if you just believe the things that he says that you like to hear, that you want to hear, the things that make you feel good. You have faith when you believe God for all that he says to you and all that he reveals to you. God has revealed to us that he saves us and rescues us from our sins through the death of his son in our place. That he sent his son to live the sinless life that we were incapable of living, that life that is required in order for us to live and walk with God, a holy God. And that the same one who lived the sinless life that we couldn't live died the sinner's death that we shouldn't have to die. He died it so that we wouldn't have to. If we trust and put our faith in him, we are granted his righteousness. If we trust and put our faith in him, he takes our death from us. He suffers it in our place and instead he gives us an exchange all of his life. And we get the promise of everlasting, eternal life. And we get the promise and provision of unending relationships so that we can be with God. And by the way, that's the thing God wants above everything else. What God wants above everything else for any individual, He just wants people to be with Him. To be with Him. And when we believe God for that, that His Son has died for all my sins, that his son had lived the sinless life I couldn't live and that he would give me all of the credit of his righteousness. He would so completely cover me in all his goodness that I could live before a holy God, not just now, not just in this place, but that I might thrive and live before that holy God at the place and seat of judgment and I might thrive and live before that holy God throughout all eternity. I become the heir of everlasting eternal life. That's what it means to have saving faith. Yet, in believing God savingly for this one thing, you will discover something. You will begin at that moment to believe God in everything, not just for that one thing, not just for heaven that you can kind of put in your pocket, but you believe Him for all things. You believe Him not only for that step of faith, that trust that now you can be with God, but for every step of faith where you follow Him from there on out. The very Word that gave you the promise of everlasting life and the promise that your sins would be completely forgiven, that very Word now gives you the promise of an unending relationship, a reciprocal relationship, where you live to please Him and he lives to show you his pleasing will, and you follow him. And in that moment of faith, God began to direct Abraham not simply to believe in him, but in that moment of faith, God began to direct Abraham into a life of faith. What we're going to see today and what we're going to look at today is that this life of faith, this believing in God, will take you places. It'll take you from places and it'll take you into new places. And what we want to do is discover the progression. You'll see that it takes you from the idols of your past. You'll see that it guides you towards the purposes of God. We're going to consider those movements and where they take you and what God calls for us in each one of those places. So let's look at this. The first one is this. Abraham was called to go out. Abraham was called to go out. Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out. That's the number one. Faith in a living God takes you from things. To live by faith, there will always be a necessity that you leave things in order to follow God, in order to move along believingly with all that God says to you. Obviously, first, you've got to be willing to leave your sins, be willing to leave your idols 
Idolatry is not something that took place simply in the land of Ur of Chaldees some long time ago where H men were carving their wooden idols. It's still present today. It's anything that you put in your life and that you live for in the place of living for God. It's anything that you would worship in the place of God. It's anything that you derive your sense of value and purpose and meaning from that is apart from and not connected to the God of all creation. It can be your money. It can be your career. It can be your safety. It can be your pleasure. It can be your supposed sense of independence and power. It can be your family. It can be your country, political party. It can be your church. It's anything that usurps God's rightful place in our hearts. God's rightful place is that He should be the environment in which we live. That He should be the one that we consciously live in and we live for. If you serve anything or anyone as the primary focus of your life, other than God Himself, that person or that thing is an idol. That concept, that idea, that ideal, that's an idol. If you love someone or something more or outside of your love for God, it's an idol. If you love someone or something and are governed by it in your pursuits, in your choices, in your desires, if your actions are determined by the pressure and influences of others, or that something governs all of your pursuits, your choices, your actions, well, that, that is an idol. These are the places and points where God wants to govern and direct and guide our life. Anything that is primary or the central influence upon the development of your character and your being other than God is an idol. And those things will ultimately entrap you and those things will ultimately bring you into compromise and sin that God wants to take you from. I'm almost certain that when God revealed himself to gain Abraham's faith, that God told Abraham something like he declared to the Israelite people when they came out of Egypt. The Jews who were slaves in Egypt, after 400 years of slavery in Egypt, were the great, 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 great grandchildren of Abraham, even more than that. And for over 400 years, they've been educated and they've been cultivated in a life and in acts that were expressive of the idolatry, the unique form of idolatry that was found in Egypt. They were much like Abraham, who had all his life been cultivated in the arts and the idolatry of Ur. And God takes the people of Israel out of Egypt and he brings them to Mount Sinai and God reveals himself to them. And Exodus reveals to us the first thing God says to them and the commands that he gives them, and it's this. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image of any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. I think God said something like that to Abraham. Abraham, you're going to have to leave off serving all other gods. You're going to have to follow and serve me alone. You come to saving faith, there's a leaving that has to take place. 
You must depart from everything that you have filled your life with, everything that has been the source of your identity and that has taken the place of God being the center point of all of your being and identity. Jesus actually said the same things. This is radical. This is how radical the Lord Jesus was. He understood who he was. He understood that he was the creator God come in the flesh, and he called upon people for this complete commitment to leave and depart from all other things to follow him. He said it in such radical ways that it was utterly offensive because he was, in a sense, ripping from them their allegiance to anything but himself. He was taking from them their sense of identity in anything but himself. And so Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 27, the multitudes are wanting to follow him. They're thinking, this is the Messiah. We'll follow him. He'll be our king. The Lord Jesus addresses the multitudes in this way. In verse 25, it says this. Now, great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, this will surprise you. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. What's he saying? He's basically saying this. I must be the one you love. I must be the one that you put at the center of your being and your meaning and your purpose. You must leave all to follow me in the life of faith. What have you left to follow Jesus? It's a good question, and if you answer it not entirely correct, it will take you a while to state your list. But if you answer it as Christ desires, you can state it rather quickly. I have left everything to follow Him. You've been listening to The Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, God bless you.